This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, and no bull. April 27, 2020. Not much on the calendar today for economic releases, just one, and that was Dallas Manufacturing Fed Index. And that was down quite a bit from the previous month. In February, it was, or excuse me, in March, it was down, it was a minus 35.3. And in uh, April, it was minus 55.3. So a massive decline in activity in manufacturing in the Dallas area. Certainly not, not unexpected, but still quite an eye-popping number. Moving on to what happened with the market today, the market was up uh, a nice 350-some uh, points, largely due to hopes of reopening the economy in some states, and uh, as well as, I think, uh, an extension of the Fed's credit facility to smaller counties and cities uh, helped as well. So the Federal Reserve's tentacles and support for the economy is now going into smaller cities and counties. So that that will allow those cities and counties to sell their their municipal debt to the Federal Reserve. So that will certainly help even more for those smaller cities and counties. Got an interesting uh, email here today from, uh, this was uh, for, let's see, uh, April 25 from the Financial Times. Just a quick little mention here that soaring stocks are defying the monster depression. Well, that's, uh, can't really say we're in a depression yet, but we're certainly in a bad situation. Uh, it says the divergence between the flying stock market and the dying and the drying economy is so extreme that it is leaving many analysts scrambling for explanations. The IMF this week uh, will forecast the biggest global recession since the 1930s Great Depression. And it says, let's see, one... Uh, once equities had clawed back over half their losses, that had tended to signal that the lows would not be retested. But now some people are wondering about that. And uh, another uh, email from the Financial Times also showed. Uh, well, let's see. This was, I found that this was kind of interesting that uh, due to the uh, shutdowns and some of these uh, meat production companies uh, that more people are kind of shifting to plant-based meat instead of or plant-based meat substitutes instead of regular meat um, you can do that if you want if it tastes good I don't know what it costs I don't eat that um, never tried it but uh, hey you know that's one thing that could happen during this uh, shutdown of meat facilities um, but at the same time it was a very very disturbing passage in an article I read that said this was from um, this was from uh, an official from a large food processing plant which I won't name because I mean I, there's really no reason to but very large and he basically says that farmers across the nation simply will not have anywhere to sell their livestock to be processed when they could have fed the nation Millions of animals, chickens, pigs, and cattle will be depopulated because of the closure of our processing facilities. The food supply chain is breaking. That's that's a very stunning statement. And um, 
you know, if you can, if you can find substitutes for meat, okay. But uh, what happens if this happens to get into other parts of the supply chain or the food supply chain? I, I was worried about this a month ago, and now what I was worried about is coming true. Although the virus is not being spread in food itself yet, hopefully it won't. It is an indirect consequence that because people are being, uh, people can't work right now, or they're they're being ill or they're being uh, sheltered in place uh, so they can't work at these places and because they need to shut down the places to have them disinfected because some of their employees got sick it's uh, really affecting uh, meat production right now that's you know any way you look at it that's not good and there was something else here I was gonna share here and let's see here um, Uh, well, let's see, this is interesting. Yeah, the the coronavirus is, is really hurting the college university system. Many cons community colleges are considering running online classes into the autumn and beyond. And uh, uh, it says the university system is in trouble. Dangerous $2 trillion student debt load. Millions in the middle get neither a cheap nor a useful education. Underemployed and debt-laden, people are struggling even before the coronavirus crisis struck. So, uh, this is going to be another effect of the coronavirus. It's going to drastically, and I was thinking about this before too, it's going to drastically change not only the way universities operate, but also how much money they can bring in how, you know where their where their allocation of resources is going to go is it going to go more toward online versus in in room classes uh what kinds of students are they going to recruit are they going to be shy about recruiting students from other countries now that uh this global pandemic has been spreading primarily via travel uh or at least initially via travel um and uh, when you have all these people at home on right now that are learning online for very cheap, if not for free, and getting good skills built up, um, I don't know. The university system may have uh, reached its peak, maybe on the on the down on the downswing. It'll be an interesting uh, consequence that will play out over years, not days or months, but years certainly. Now, along with the uh, the market being being uh, optimistic about the stock market or the uh, economy opening back up, there's also this uh, issue of testing. Should we reopen? Should we reopen at a slower rate? Should we reopen at a medium rate? Should we reopen at a faster rate? Should we do testing? What what should we do here? Uh, there's a Harvard study that came out that suggested that there is a lot more that needs to be done. To open up the economy, they're suggesting that uh, we need about five million tests per day to be delivered by early June to have a safe social reopening, jumping to 20 million a day to fully remobilize the economy by late July. However, uh, the authors acknowledge that even 20 million tests a day may not be high enough to protect public health. Well, that uh, 
is certainly not good news when you consider right now that at, at present the U.S. is only conducting 150,000 tests a day, and, and Harvard is saying they need five million to maybe 20 million to really be confident in reopening the economy. Uh, <laughs> that's going to take a long time. Uh, the vice president is saying roughly 300,000 tests per day should be effective. Harvard is saying five million, so a huge discrepancy between. Uh, the vice president and Harvard as to what needs to be done before we can confidently reopen the economy. Well, I got to tell you right now, we cannot, we just cannot hold out past May on this. Um, if we do, one of two things are going to happen. One, you're going to have a lot more people that are going to lose their jobs. Uh, one quick comment on that. A lot of like I said before, a lot of the people that have filed for unemployment benefits are not unemployed. They're just furloughed. So a lot of them may come back when the economy restarts up again. It just depends on how fast we restart up. But if this goes on much longer, some of those furloughed people might be permanent job losses. And the more this goes on, the longer this goes on, the more is the chance that more and more businesses are going to go under. And those will be permanent losses. So... I mean, we can't have a perfect world here. There's no way we can have a perfect world to say that we're going to be that we're going to have a minimum amount of fatalities from COVID and a minimum amount of job losses and economic damage. It's just not going to happen. We're going to have to find a middle ground. We simply can't open everything back up and think nothing's going nothing's going to be wrong. Everything's going to be fine. Nobody else is going to get sick or die. But we also can't hold everything down forever either. And when I say forever, I mean Two months. I mean, that's forever for a lot of people. It seems like it's already been an eternity already. So there has to be some kind of middle ground. Testing is going to help, but it's not the be-all, end-all. Contact tracing is going to help, but it's not the be-all, end-all. And isolation, quarantining will help, but it's not the be-all, end-all. And as I was talking with someone earlier today, Yes, it really has become a bifurcated disease. Ninety-four. Uh, let's see what a ninety-four percent of all people. I'm I'm uh, paraphrasing here, or I'm quoting from this article. Ninety-four percent of patients had more than one disease, other than COVID-19, according to the Journal of American Medical Association. That was from health records from 5,700 patients hospitalized within the Northwell Health System which is in New York City. So this is a this is a virus that is really bad for old people and really bad for people who have one or more underlying health conditions. But it's not not really bad at all for people outside of those two demographics. So the question is how many people can we send back to work, you know? Uh if we can send most people back to work without worrying about spreading the disease or getting getting the disease, then we should do that. However, again, a lot of people haven't been tested. A lot of people are asymptomatic. A lot of people can spread it even though they don't know they have it. So, And some people have been known to have it, recover, and get it again. So there's so many moving parts to this problem, this this uh, two-pronged problem with the virus and the economy that, boy, it is really, really difficult. But, um, you know, there's there's an awful lot of uh, anger, angst, frustration, 
uncertainty, distrust, mistrust, misinformation about what's happening with the details of the virus and and uh, positive cases and uh, and fatalities. But one thing is for sure, people are really struggling financially right now. That is not a question. And when you see 26 million people on the unemployment benefits, most we've seen in in decades, um, that's reality. That's reality. And so as a society, nobody wants to say this, but as a society, we have to have some kind of equal uh, balance between making sure the economy doesn't fall apart and making sure that we don't have way more fatalities than we want to see. We don't want to see any, but you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah, big, big issues that need to be to be dealt with here, and trying to keep track of it all is certainly uh, uh, taking up a lot of my time. That's for sure. But I'm doing my best to try to put it all together for you, so you can all see the big picture. Uh, one other thing I want to note is that. Uh, uh, a friend of mine sent an email saying, and this is kind of just a one-off note, that foot traffic is bouncing back in the housing market. He, he's in the he's in the mortgage market, so foot traffic is bouncing back in the housing market, at least in the latest reading for uh, for an indicator that he follows. So that's a little bit of good news. How long that will last, who knows? But we are right on the right, we're, we're right in the uh, beginning of uh, the spring and early summer selling season here. So. Uh, this is going to be a real problem if the housing market can't uh, get back on track real soon because that is a lot of economic activity as well as a lot of jobs as well. So let's hope for the best on that. And one other thing I wanted to share was from another email from our local uh, employment and economic development organization. They are just showing us that uh, the no the people that are eligible for this new program called the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, which was part of the CARES Act, is different than the regular unemployment insurance program. And the people that are, that are eligible for this include the self-employed, independent contractors, workers in non-covered employment, people lacking sufficient work history to get regular unemployment insurance. I'm really not sure what that means. Uh, that's very vague. And people living in a household where the head of household has died as a direct result of COVID-19. So those are uh, the eligibility, people who are eligible for that new program. All right, uh, time to take a look at the, oh, one other thing I wanted to share was a slide from a webinar I saw today. And that was basically just some notes on what's going to happen or, or, or how this how this lockdown quote unquote lockdown recession is or can is going to or can end. Uh, first thing that's probably going to open up are other retailers, not restaurants and service establishments. Then the restaurants and service and restaurants and service establishments will open. Then uh, the economy will open for conferences and meetings, and then it will open up for large public gatherings. So uh, basically, it, it seems like it's going to be one of these situations where 
the smaller gatherings will, will open up first and then the larger gatherings will open up later. But even when the larger gatherings open up, you're going to see changes in seating arrangements, um, protocols on how far, how far away can you, you can stand from each other when you're talking or doing whatever you're doing. Um, and other protocols will be likely to be mandatory health checks such as taking temperatures and asking health questions, continued efforts at social isolation and minimizing contact, and heavy emphasis on personal hygiene and attention to personal health. So uh, most definitely how and when we finally come out of this, we are going to be living in a different world on the other side of this pandemic. We already are. But even when some things get back to normal, some things will not. Some things might take a while to get back to normal. Some things will never get back to the way it was ever again. I don't know. Um, it's really going to be interesting. I read a report the other day talking about how going forth, uh, sports stadiums are going to be smaller, or maybe they might shut or you know close off some of their their seating, or they might spread them out instead of having a bunch of empty seats in the upper decks. Maybe they'll have a bunch of people spread out on the lower decks bunch of people spread out on the middle decks and a bunch of people spread out on the upper decks as opposed to everyone being in you know in more congregated areas where they can get a better view of the field so there's going to be uh, a lot of uh, changes coming in a lot of different parts of our economy and our society after this pandemic there's no doubt about it okay a quick update on the coronavirus statistics uh, what I wanted to share was that for the world, the fatality rate as of yesterday was 6.91%. That is known fatalities divided by known cases. And But the good news is, good news is that the growth rate of fatalities was down to 1.8%. And that is the lowest we have seen since... February 26th, that is excellent, excellent news. Again, death rate is still high, but we're hopefully starting to uh, get on the better side of things here. For the United States, same thing, 5.61% uh, on the death rate, which is plateaued out, uh, but the growth rate for fatalities down to 2.1%, and that is uh, for the United States, that is the lowest since the pandemic began. So, certainly good news there. And another piece of good news was th the fatalities yesterday in the United States was 1,157, which is the lowest since March 31, and was uh, slightly more than half of the fatalities on April 25th. So who knows if that's a one-off or if that's the beginning of a new trend, I don't know. But as of right now, fatalities, as I'm recording this, fatalities in the United States is 1114, so, uh, 1,114. So maybe it's going to be you know, on the lower end of the recent range. Um, doesn't look like we're going to hit 2,000 today, so that's good. Uh, so... Who knows? Maybe we're starting to finally see some signs that we're coming, uh, or that we're maybe possibly over the worst of this. But we shall see. 
And now it's on to my unemployment tips of how to how to stay sane during unemployment. Today's tip starts off the second commandment, which is learn new skills, aptitude. And the eleventh tip is learn Excel. Yes, everybody knows that Excel is widely used in the business world and a lot of other industries besides business. Uh, Things that employers are looking for are how to use formulas, pivot tables, uh, VLOOKUPs, and VBA programming. So if you can find a cheap uh, uh, course online on how to learn Excel, uh, $10, $20, $20, something like that, you can find something on Udemy. I'm sure you can find something on Coursera or uh, Udacity or edX or any of these other uh, mainstream online learning platforms. You can always just Google how to learn Excel, too. Uh, that's uh, that's still a pretty sought-after skill. So today's tip, learn Excel. And that's all I have for today. Again, I have a feedback link uh, for my pro- podcast on my website, www.edcashmark.com. Please subscribe to my podcast. Leave me a rating on, and a review on iTunes if you would be so kind. And please spread the word to your family, friends, neighbors, and relatives about my podcast. And tune into prior episodes if you'd like to listen to those, and especially if you'd like to hear about my previous tips on how to stay sane during unemployment. This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Stay safe, stay sane. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.